شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد في today's lesson إن شاء الله تعالى we'll be going through كتاب اللباس وكتاب الجنائز from the matan of Shujamatan al-Ghayat wa-Taqrib إن شاء الله تعالى and today will be our last lesson بإذن الله نعم so the author رحمه الله تعالى he starts off by saying كتاب اللباس صح كتاب اللباس in this chapter he speaks about what is haram on a person to wear. The materials that are haram for a person to wear. طيب, what did he say? So he says, What is haram for the men specifically when it comes to wearing is gold and silk. Gold and silk. That's because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us in the um in, in the hadith that this is the, the gold The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he told us that gold is halal for the women of this ummah and is haram for the men. And previously we've taken about gold and uh, the masala of wearing gold. We've taken it. Where did we take it? Remember? And we said that when it comes to gold, it is haram to use it in any way apart from when there is a need or when it's a currency. Either a currency or when there is a need. So therefore wearing gold is haram as jewelry for the man. And wearing gold uh, as clothing is also haram for the man. As for the woman, then woman, the woman she is allowed to wear gold as jewelry. بما يقتضيه العرف according to عرف according to what is known in society to be normal for a woman to wear meaning a woman she can wear gold but she cannot wear gold that is abnormal يعني can a woman wear a, 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 a gold shirt for example or a gold hat gold when we mean gold we don't mean the color we mean what the material the actual material gold we don't mean just the material we mean the actual color the actual material of gold the metal that's what's haram for the men to wear and it is halal for the women and we said that the, the man is allowed when there is a need. The man is allowed when there is a need to have it. For example, we said if a person is tooth broke, they're allowed to have a gold tooth. Or if someone, for example, they, uh, as, the, as the companions, they would have the, the handle of their sword will be made of gold. Because when they would battle, when they would be in battle, if it was made of iron, sometimes if it's made of iron, it would be very stiff and hard on the, on the hand. Gold is a soft metal. Gold is a, gold is a very soft metal so it wouldn't harm the hand when they would hold the handle of the of the sword so they would allow it okay that's for gold so gold the khulas of gold is that gold is haram for men except for what is allowed according to what is needed according uh, except what's needed so for example a gold tooth or we have the example of the companion who had a gold nose that's what's haram for the men as for the uh, women then they are allowed to wear gold According to what is uh, what is acceptable according to the customs, what is acceptable according to the customs. As for silver, the author didn't mention it here. Like we, we we've taken it before when it comes to when we took, uh, when we took awan al awani that you're not allowed to use gold or silver utensils because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said الذي يأكل في صحاف الذهب والفضة إنما يجرجر في بطنه نار جهنم the one who is Eating and drinking. الذي يشرب ويأكل في إناء الذهب والفضة إنما يجرجر في بطنه نار جهنم. The one who eats in gold and silver, then the only thing that they put into their into their into their stomachs is the hellfire. And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم allowed for the men to wear silver. Allowed for the men to wear silver, and that is in according to customs as well. What do you mean by customs? According to what's normal in society. Meaning, if it's normal for men to wear a ring. A silver ring, then it's allowed. But what if in a society it's normal for men to wear a gold ring? Is that allowed? No, it's not. It's only allowed if it is silver, if it's normal. So what is not allowed is, for example, in when it's abnormal for a man to wear a silver necklace. For a man to wear a silver necklace, then this is not allowed because 
it comes under imitating the women. Or for example, a man wearing a silver hat, fully silver, fully sh silver shirt, or all of that stuff is not allowed because it goes against the norms of society. That is gold and that's silver. Everyone got the different categorizations of gold and silver? Is that clear? Mm. Yeah, utensils, knife and fork and plates and... Yeah, real silver utensils, you can't use it, yeah. Or plates and bowls and cups, all of that. Stainless steel is okay. Mm. Yeah, the Muslim roof. No. I didn't say she can wear gold outside. I said she can wear gold. Sorry? No, it's not allowed. According to, if, if it's, oh, no, 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 it's not allowed. If it's outside the urf in terms of being israf, then it's not allowed. But if it's outside the urf where it's not imitating the men and it's not uh, israf, and going overboard, for example, a gold shirt, for example, and it's not imitating the men, then it's fine. At home, then it's fine. And if it's outside and if it has shuhra, then it's not allowed. Is that clear? Mm. Um, shuhra means it makes you stand out. Mm. Mm. And then he says, الحرير. What did he say about Harir? <laughs> and it's not allowed for a man to wear silk. And we, when we say silk, it is the silk that is real silk. We're not talking about fake silk. Real silk is not allowed for the men. So now the scholars they discuss why is gold and silk haram for the men? And the difference of opinion amongst the scholars, Wallahu alam, what seems to be strong is that is what they say that it has al-unutha. It brings about femininity. Yani because some of the scholars, they said because it is going overboard in terms of spending too much money. But then in that case, why would it be allowed for the women? So that, that, doesn't, that wouldn't be a correct answer. Similarly, another thing that we could say that against that is that you're allowed to wear more expensive uh, clothing. More exp clothing that is more expensive than silk. You're allowed to wear it. So it's not about the expense, how expensive it is, gold or silk. Gold or silk. Well, the reason why it's haram is because it brings about unutha, it brings about femininity in the man. And therefore, uh, it is in and of itself haram for the man. As for silk, then we have the hadith of Ibn Umar anhuma, when the Prophet narrated by al-Bukhari Muslim, that he said um, that the Prophet وسلم, prohibited silk illa qadra usbu'in or usbu'in or thalath or arba'a. The Prophet وسلم, he prohibited wearing silk except for the amount of one finger or two fingers or three fingers or four fingers yani four fingers to the atraf four fingers on the atraf the ends of the of the clothing yani silk is not allowed generally but it is allowed if it is on the ends of the clothing and the maximum is the amount of four fingers Do you understand so four fingers length or four things four fingers length from the ends of the clothing why the ends of the clothing because these are the parts of the clothing that normally wear out. And the silk, silk, the material silk, is very strong. And so it doesn't wear out. So because of that, there is a need. And that is so that your clothing doesn't wear out. So therefore, the scholars, the, the, from the hadith, the Prophet wasallam, they said that it is the amount of four fingers from the atraf, from the ends of the clothing, from the cuffs, for example, the collar, the bottom of the, uh, of the, of the uh, thobe, and things like that. Then that is the exception. And that's narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim from Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah. Um, and then he says, Ibrahim. Ibrahim. So he says now, the, uh, the Shafi'iyah, they say that it is allowed for a person to wear silk in the situation where the majority of the material of that clothing isn't silk. So you know when you have when you buy clothes, you have 50% polyester, 50% whatever, another material, right? They say that if it is less than 50% silk, then it's fine. They said if it's less than 50% silk, then it's fine. Wallahu alam, what seems to be correct is that the thing that is allowed is the, the ends of the clothing, the four fingers of the ends of the clothing. As for being half and half, then there are, I mean, this is an opinion amongst the scholars. Wallahu alam. Allahu alam which one is the strongest. Naam. Al janaiz. Now we're speaking about al janaiz. The janaiz. 
Wearing red, is that prohibited? Wearing red is only prohibited in one situation, and that is if your all of your clothing is red. All of the clothing is red, then it's not allowed. And Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, he says that what's intended is a dark, a specific type of red, which is very dark, which is dark red. Dark red. Yani, the red that really shines or shows, if it's closer to pink, then it's different, it's allowed. But if it's very, very yani, strong red, then it's not allowed if it is all of your clothing. If, it was, if it's just some of your clothing, then it's fine because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he wore, um, that's purple. <laughs> yeah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he wore clothing from Yemen that was half white and half red. Al-Jana'iz. Kitab al-Jana'iz. Al-Jana'iz here is the last part of fiqh on Kitab al-Salah that the scholars they bring, the Shafi'i scholars they bring at this point. And this is because they speak, in, in this chapter they speak about four things. In this chapter they speak about four things. Number one, in this book. In other books, in longer books, they speak about more things, but here we're only going to speak about four things. Hmm. No, if trousers are a different color, then it's fine. The whole red. Yeah, then it's alright. It's right. different. The whole outfit. Mm. Is that clear? Huh. Four things, huh? Number one, they speak about washing the dead person. Washing the dead person. Number two, they speak about shrouding the dead person. Shrouding. Yani clothing him. Bury, yani putting them in the shroud. Number three, they speak about Praying, as-salah, salatul janazah, praying upon the dead. And number four, they speak about dafn, burying the dead, burying the dead. The rulings of Kitabul Janaiz generally are all fardu kifayah. Yani these four, these four things, they are, and the minimal, the minimal way of doing each one of them is fardu kifayah. <coughs> it's a communal obligation, meaning it must be done by the community. The community must must do these. These four actions. If they do not do it, then everyone is sinning. But if one person does it, or a group of people, they do it, and no one else does it, then those people, they are rewarded, and the rest of the people, they are the ones that are sinning. These are Kitab al -Janais. In higher books of fiqh, they speak about what to do before that, and what to do after. What they speak about before, for example, when the person is at, they speak about the adab, ziyarat al-marid, how to uh, visit the person who's ill. And there's the bigger books of fiqh they speak about. How to, and then, they, then they speak about al-istihdar, when... When the person is about to be, and his soul is about to be taken out of him, then they speak about a talqeen, yani talqeen, which is to make the person say la ilaha illallah before they die, and then they speak about these four things, and then after that they speak about a ta'ziyah, how to con consolidate the family of the dead, and what to do the sunnah regarding to that, regarding that, and they speak about certain bid'ah innovations and certain uh, sunan which are practiced in this time. But here today, inshallah ta'ala, we're just going to be speaking about what the book mentions, which are these four things, which is number one-ish. What is it? Ghusulun. Washing and shrouding and praying and burial. Tayyip, let's start with the first one. He says, Ghusul. What do you say? Naam. There's two groups of people who we do not wash and we do not pray upon. We don't pray, we don't pray janazah upon them. Two groups of people. Number one is al-shaheed, shaheedul ma'raka. The shaheed who died in the battlefield. The martyr who died in the battlefield. Now, the shaheed, the shuhada, the martyr in Islam, there are many, right? Many different ways a person can become a martyr. For example, drowning. For example, Stomach illness, for example, being killed unjustly, ahsent. For example, huh? Plague, ahsent. Naam, taun, plague. Hmm? Defending his family. What else? Being crushed by a building, burnt, being burnt. Hmm? Jihad, and the last one is jihad, meaning fighting in the ma'raka, fighting in the battlefield. Now. The only shaheed that we do not wash is the one who died in the battlefield, the one in the battlefield. And that is when he is fi muwajahat al-kuffar, or 
during the battlefield, during the act of fighting, he died. Or he died due, due to a reason from the battlefield. Yani, for example, he was injured in the battlefield and then he bled out and then after a few days he, he died. This person is called Shahidul Ma'raka and he takes the rulings of the Shaheed in the dunya and in the akhirah. As for the, all of the other Shuhada, the woman who's uh, given birth as well, she dies whilst giving birth. As for the, all of the other Shuhada, then they're ruling their shuhada in the akhirah. They get the reward of the shuhada in the akhirah. As for in the dunya, they're not considered to be, meaning we do not take the rulings of the shuhada, which is the shuhada, they are not washed and they are not prayed upon. And we bury them in their blood, because their blood is, is, is pure, and we bury them in the battlefield where they died, if we can. These shuhada, they have their own rulings. As for the woman who gives birth, the dies giving birth, or the person who's burnt alive, or the person who's ta'un, uh, the plague, then they, they don't take those rulings. They're not, they're not buried where they die. They're buried in the normal places. But they get the, the ruling of the Akhirah. So, two groups of people they're not washed. Number one, Shahidul Ma'raka. Number two is the baby, the baby who is miscarried. The baby who is miscarried. And we're going to speak about that in more detail here. The baby who's in the womb of the mother can have different situations if they die if they die the first situation is if she die if the baby dies after being given birth to so she, he comes out the baby comes out of the womb the baby comes out of the womb and he dies after we saw a sign of life what's the sign of life according to the baby when they come out they cry or they have haraka, a lot of movement. They also mentioned that, those two. A lot of movement. Then in that case, when they, if that baby dies, then that baby is considered to be a full human being. So that baby inherits money. That, in, that baby is even named, according to some scholars. That baby is buried. And that baby is prayed upon and washed. And shrouded, everything. طيب. That's the first situation. The second situation is if the baby died within the womb. Died in the womb. Then this comes two situations comes under here. Two situations from here. The first situation is it is after nafkhur After the soul was blown into the baby. After the soul was blown into the baby. When is the soul blown into the baby? Four months. Then forty days nutfa. Then forty days alaqa. Then forty days mudra. Then thumma Then the the, 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 the soul is blown into and that's four months so if it is after the baby has had its soul blown into then in that case we bury him and we wash him صح? that's what he says in the sharh hmm? hmm. let, let me see the sharh No. No. So what, what, did we, what did we say? Uh, what did he say? What did, what did we say? The one who was uh, four months? You bury him and you wash him. No. And then the third situation is if he comes out before four months, right? Before four months, then in that case, we shall underline for you. If we, if we come before four months, in that case, we just bury him. Before four months, then we just bury them, the baby. No. Yani, the baby, his soul was blown into whilst in the womb. They have life. Lakin, we don't pray upon them. They don't take the ruling of a baby until they come out of the womb. They don't take the ruling of a human being until they come out of the womb. You get it? So before they come out of the womb, then we look. If they had the soul blown into them, then we, we bury them and we, we bury them and wash them. But if they come out and the womb or the soul was blown into them and they come out alive, then they're a full human being. Then they take all of the rights of the human being. Stillborn, that's what it is. Stillborn yani is, 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 is dead in the womb. Yeah, so it's dead in the womb. It died in the womb, then it takes the ruling of 
the baby who died in the womb didn't come out يعني, alive. So you, we, we bury it and we, we, we uh, wash the baby. Mm. Is a miscarriage a reason? Sorry? No doubt every test is a reason for miscarriage. But having a baby who dies is a, is a, is a way as well. As the Prophet ﷺ told us in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood. The Prophet ﷺ said, يُبْنَى لَهُ بَيْتُ الْحَمْدِ They will be built for them a house called Bayt al-Hamd. The, the house of praise. طيب. Then he says, وَيُغَسَّلُ الْمَيْتِ You don't, Aisha? You're going to take this? No, take it, take it. You need it. Underline. Underline the stuff. طيب. وَيُغَسَّلُ الْمَيْتُ ثَلَاثًا Then he's talking about washing the baby. So these two, those are the two, the two exceptions when it comes to washing. Then he says, وَيُغَسَّلُ الْمَيْتُ ثَلَاثًا And then? وِتْرًا And then? طيب. The washing of the, of the body, and this is going to be with all of these four things, it has a minimal and it has the best. It has minimal and the best. As for the minimal, for the washing of the body, then the minimal ghusl is what? In tahara, kitab tahara. Mm. To make sure water touches the whole body. So the minimal ghusl of the dead person is to make sure water touches the whole body. To make sure water touches the whole body. As for the sunnah, then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when ihda banatihi, one of his daughters died, he told one of the women of the, those who were washing the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, اغسلنها سبعا أو ثلاثا sorry, ثلاثا أو خمسا أو سبعا The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, wash her three times or five times or seven times, which shows what? That it is sunnah to do it with an odd number and the minimum is three. That's not the first thing. Second thing, it is sunnah also to do wudu before you start the ghusl on the, on the dead body. It is sunnah. To do wudu before you start the ghusl on the dead body. Number three, it is sunnah also to remove any impurity that will come out of the dead body. Yani when a person dies, if you press on the stomach, impurities come out of them. Impurities come out of them. So, it's sunnah to take out the impurity and to do istinja. Then to do wudu. Then to wash the body three times or five times or seven times. Or more if needed, as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us. طيب. And he says, إحداهن بال زين. After which one? نعم. وفي آخره شيء يصير من كافور. And then, in the, and then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also told Umm Atiyah in the hadith narrated by Al Bukhari and Muslim, وجعل وجعلنا في آخره في آخرها شيئا من كافور أو كافورا أو شيئا من كافور. The Prophet وسلم, said, and make sure that you wash at the end, yani the last washing, so the seventh or the ninth or the fifth, the last one, use kafur. And kafur is a leaf which is dipped into the water. And then when it's dipped into the water, you wash the body with it. And the reason for that is that it's for two things. Number one, it, is a, it has a nice smell. And number two, it tightens the skin and hardens the skin on the body. So it, take, it delays the, the process of decaying. The, the body takes longer to decay. So therefore, it's sunnah to use shay'an min kafur at the end. Okay? And then he says? Sidr. Naam. Sidr. He says, the, the, at the beginning, you start off with sidr. Sidr is the lot tree leaf. The leaf of the lot tree. So it's sunnah also to use the, the leaf of the lot tree. The leaf of the lot tree. Hmm? Sidr. The lot tree. Lot tree. So there's sidr and there's kafur. I don't know exactly what kafur is in English. I think, I think they translate it as ka- kamfir or something like that. I'm not sure. Mm. Kamfir, huh? Something like that. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, and sidr is at the beginning. Yeah, the first wash is sidr, and the akhir, the end is with kafur. The minimum. Yeah. Yeah, minimum sunnah is three. But minimum wajib is one. Mm. So the, like, if you do one, it's enough. If you do three, you've got the sunnah as well. No, no, three, because three is better. Mm. 
بس 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 نعم ويكفنوا بثلاث اثواب بيض ليس فيها ثوب ولا امامه هي سيز ذات ناو ذس از ناو توكن اباوت ذا سكند ثينج ويتش از التكفين تو شراود ذا ديد بودي تو شراود ذا ديد بودي ذا مينيمو شراودينج مينيمو شراودينج از وان كلوث ذات كفرز ذا هول بودي ذا هيد تو ذا تو ذاتس ذا مينيمو فور ذا مان اند ذا وومن اند ذس از ان سيتويشن وير ذا كومبانيونز ذي وير ابل تو فور اكزامبل مصعب بن عمير رضي الله تعالى عنه هي دايد ان ذا باتل اوف احد اند هي واز ا ريتش بيرسون ان مكه ان وين هي دايد ان المدينه ان ذا باتل اوف احد ذي سيد ذات وي ديد نوت فايند اكسبت فور وان كلوث تو كفر هيم ويز اف وي كفر هيز فيت هيز هيد ويل بيكم انكفرد اند اف وي كفر هيز هيد هيز فيت ويل بيكم انكفرد عبد الرحمن بن عوف رضي الله رضي الله تعالى عنه he said he said this after he was brought food after the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam died and the muslims became rich and he started crying over the food and he said mus'ab ibn umair when he died he didn't even have a cloth to cover him with he didn't even have a cloth to cover himself with and look at us we have this all of these foods and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells in the quran ثم يوم ثم لا تسالون يومئذ عن النعيم we're going to be asked about all of these blessings and abd rahman ibn awf he cried and he cried and he cried until he left all of that food he didn't even eat it to show the, يعني, يعني the blessing that the, these companions they were given after and how they were living before. And so the minimum is to do with one cloth, one cloth that covers the whole body. As for the sunnah, then it differs for the man and the woman. As for the man, then it is three white clothes, three white clothes. As for the three white clothes, the reason why it's three is because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dufina fi thalathati athwabin biyidin yamaniyya. Here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Bukhari Muslim, he was buried with three clothings from Yemen. Three pieces of clothing that were white and they were from Al-Yemen. What are these three pieces of clothing? They are number one, the izar. The izar. The izar is the lower garment. That covers from the belly button below. It covers from the belly button below. Ma'wis, <coughs> yeah. Same thing, yeah. Taib. And, and then number two is al-qamis. The second piece of clothing for the man is the qamis, meaning the thobe. It's a thobe. La, la, sorry, sorry. The rida, rida. The qamis for the woman. The rida, rida. Not, not the qamis. Rida, which is the upper clothing. The upper clothing. And you know when you go Hajj and Umrah, when you have the 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 the, the, clothes and the, the, the lower garment and the upper garment, these two are what the man is buried with. Number three is one th- one clothing, one piece of cloth that the whole body is wrapped after that. So you have a lower garment, upper garment, and then the whole body is wrapped after that. لَيْسَ فِيهَا قَمِيصٌ وَلَا عِمَامَةٌ Why did you say لَيْسَ فِيهَا قَمِيصٌ وَلَا عِمَامَةٌ You don't wear a qamis. The man doesn't wear a qamis. يعني الشات. What I mean by qamis is a basic what we call thobe today. These things. The qamis. Let's call it qamis. Because, ولا إمامة نوع إمامة. Because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in the Hadith it was narrated that he was he was he was buried in three Yemeni garments. ليس فيها قميص ولا إمامة. There was no qamis that he was buried in. No, a إمامة أتابن. الممالك رحمه الله. But he says it's recommended. الممالك says it's recommended to wear qamis and إمامة for them to be. ولكن والله أعلم it's not سنة. والله أعلم. طيب. And then the third clothing is one piece of cloth that covers the whole body. طيب. What was the question? They cover it, they cover the top. Just cover the top, yeah. From above. Then the women, the woman. The woman, she's covered in five pieces of clothing. The sunnah. For her to be covered in five pieces of clothing. Yeah, the whole body, yeah. The whole body. As for the woman, then she's wrapped and she's clothed, she's clothed in five pieces of clothing. Number one. Is al-izar, the lower garment, from the belly button down. Number two is al-qamis, meaning a cloth, a cloth from the neck to the bottom of her body, from the neck to the bottom of her body. Number three is a khimar, hijab basically, the headscarf, the headscarf. And number four and five are two pieces of clothing that cover her whole body. Two lifafatan. Two pieces of clothing that cover the whole body. That clear? You wrap her twice. And that shows that the woman, she's wrapped, she's covered up even after death. She has to be covered up even after death, more than the man. The only exception for this, for the man, is a muhrim, a person who's in ihram. If a man dies in ihram, 
then that person, the exception is that their face and their head is uncovered. Their face and their head is uncovered. Because the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, narrated by Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, that when a man, he died, he fell off his horse, he fell off his camel, and he died. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, كَفِّنُوهُ uh, فِي the Prophet said, clothe him in his two clothes, bury him in his two clothes, The Prophet said he will be resurrected on the day of judgment doing talbiyah, saying, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik, because he was in ihram, he was doing hajj or umrah, he was in ihram. And so he will be raised on the day of judgment doing the talbiyah. Uh, now, this question here. If a female passes away with a nail varnish, would they remove it during ghusl? Yes, they have to remove it. Hmm. Also, are we sinful if we pass away with it on? Allahu alam. If it's sinful if you pass away with it on, I can generally it's not something that's good. Hmm. If the body is unable to have ghusl done to them, then it's tayammum. It's tayammum to what? No, no, no. Tayammum is once. Tayammum is the same as we learnt. Once. Any question? Mm. Mm. You missed it? Sorry? The first two was Izar and Qamis. Izar, which is the lower garment, and Qamis, which is the upper garment. Which is the Qamis, which is the, like, sh uh, from the neck down to the bottom, to the feet. Qamis is the neck to the feet. Khimar and two Lefafitan. Being trampled on, I don't know of any hadith mentioning that's a shaheed. Allah no. Last question. Can't hear you, I can't hear you. Mm. Yeah, the whole body is covered, yeah. That's the ihram. Ihram it's a Taib, is that clear? And white, why did you say white? Because the Prophet said, The best thing that the best of your clothing and the best thing that you wear when you are burying your dead is the white clothing. So that's why it's sunnah and any other clothing is allowed. Yeah, it has armholes and everything. It doesn't have to, yani, sunnah. Janazah. The third one is janazah. How to pray the janazah. The janazah prayer, the Prophet wasallam said that there is no dead person who 40 people of, or who 40 believers, they pray upon him. And they do not worship anyone other than Allah. They don't do any shirk, 40 of them. Except that they will be made as an intercessor for them, for that person. Meaning their prayer will be accepted as intercession for that person who was prayed upon. And so that shows that this janazah has huge rewards. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us in a hadith narrated by Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, that the one who attends the janazah, then his reward is qirat. He will be given one qirat. And one qirat, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was asked, what is a qirat? He said, mithlul jabalain or qiratain. He will be given two qirat, two qirat of reward. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked, what is a qirat? He said, mithlul jabalain al-azimain. It's like two huge mountains. So a person who attends the janazah, and attends the burial, then he'll be given the reward of two qirat. As for the one who just attends the janazah, then they're given one qirat, which is one mountain of reward. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, when he heard this hadith, he said, لَقَدْ فَرَّطْنَا فِي قَرَارِيطَ كَثِيرًا We have missed out on a lot of qararit, Allah. We have missed out on a lot of this, these rewards. And so after that, he would be eager to make sure that he attended the janazah uh, because of the huge reward that is there. And so we're going to learn about the way to perform a janazah. This salatul janazah, the prayer of janazah, has no iqam, has no iqamah and no adhan, and he has no ruku' and no sujood. So a person just stays standing. Rather, what's the most important thing is arba'u takbirat. Four times you say Allahu Akbar. Arba'u takbirat. Then he says, what do you say? Mm. The after the, so the, the way the person starts janazah is that they start the prayer Allahu Akbar, and after the first takbirah, you recite Suratul Fatiha without dua al istiftah. Without dua al istiftah. So, is there dua al istiftah in janazah, meaning opening dua in janazah? No. There's no dua al istiftah in janazah. Huh? And then? No. Then, after the Surah Al Fatiha, it is permissible, it is allowed, as Ibn Abbas narrated from him, 
that you're allowed to recite a surah after it, but it's not necessarily sunnah. You're allowed, permissible. Then another takbir, Allahu Akbar. What do you do after the second takbirah? You send salah on the Prophet ﷺ by saying, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad, kana sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala Ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid, wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad, kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala Ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid. The salah on the Prophet Then after the third one, يَدْعُوا لِلْمَيِّتِ You make dua for the dead. And the dua that has been narrated from the Prophet are a few. And the main one is what they say, اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم من احيته منا فأحيي للإسلام ومن توفيته فتوفيه للإيمان اللهم اغفر له وارحمه وعافيه وعفو عنه وأكرم نزله ووسع مدخله واغسله بالثلج والماء والبرد أو بالماء والثلج والبرد ونقه من الذنوب والخطايا كما ينقص بالأبيض من الدنس also been narrated the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he said, "Allahumma abdilhu daran khayra min dari wa ahlan khayra min ahli wa malan khayra min malih." And these are all, as you can see, male. I'm saying, "Allahumma ghfir lahu, him," instead of "Allahumma ghfir laha, her." So if the dead person is a woman, what do you do? You change it. "Allahumma ghfir laha, warhamha, waafiha, waafu anha." You change it to a female. And if it's multiple people, "Allahumma ghfir lahum, warhamhum," like you have in Mecca and Medina and Haramain. Every, after every salah there's janazah not just upon one person multiple people after every single salah so you would say Allahumma ghfir lahum warhamhum wa'afihim wa'afu anhum and you make dua if a person doesn't know this dua what does he do? he makes any dua for the dead he makes any dua for the dead that he knows if he wants he can just say Allahumma ghfir lahum that's enough and he keeps saying Allahumma ghfir lahum Allahumma ghfir lahum Allah forgive me Allah forgive me Allah forgive me and so this third takbirah you make dua for the dead person thumma وَيُسَلِّمُ بَعْدَ الرَّبِعَ after the fourth takbirah what do you do? Some of the scholars they say you say nothing and you just say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah that's the shafi'i madhab or يعني, to say two, two, two salams uh, also some of the scholars they mention that you should say another dua you can make dua for yourself and the one that's been uh, famously reported from the scholars the scholars they mention this when they say Rabb, Allahumma, Allahumma la taftinna ba'dahu wa la tahrimna ajrahu wa ghfir lana wa lahu that's one, one dua. Also, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Also allowed at this point. Then after that, it is the salam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. The Shafi'i madhab is that you do two salam. And this is the majority of the scholars. But it is not narrated from the salaf. And the salaf what is narrated from them that they only have one salam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And this is the hanbali madhab. And this is correct, wallahu alam. That you only do one taslim in salatul janazah. And if you do two, then it's fine. Yeah, every takbirat you raise your hand. You raise your hand, yes. According to Imam Shafi'i and Imam Ahmed. Just like in Salah. If, uh, you hold it. You, you, you hold your hands on your chest. Hmm. Sorry? Yeah, four. All of them are four altogether. Four altogether, including, yeah. No, no, no. There's no condition of 40 people. But if 40 people do, then it's more reward for him. And the more people who pray janaz on the Muslim, the more likely that Allah will forgive them. And that's why it's one of the rights of the Muslim that you pray the janaz on them. Allahu Alam, some of the scholars they mention it. Allahu Alam. Is the difference between mate and mayit? Two different, two different um, ways the Arabs say it. Both of them are fine. Mayit or mayit. Even the Quran. Two qiraat. Qiraat mayit. Qul man yaruzukhu min al-samai wal-ard amman yamliku al-sam'a wa al-absara wa man yukhruju al-hayya min al-mayit. Wa man yukhruju al-hayya min al-mayti. As well. Two different qiraat. It means the same thing. Wallahu alayhi wa sallam. I asked one of my mashayikh that. They said the same thing. It means the same thing. Wallahu alayhi Last question. No, you don't raise your hands. You pray like this. You don't raise your hands in dua. Throughout the whole thing, you're praying salah. Like this. Mm. Uh, women are not, are not allowed to go to the burial. Would they be get the same qirat if they had the intention, although they know they can't? Yes, inshallah. They get the reward, no doubt. Mm. Mm. Then? Mm. Now we're talking about the last part, which is the burial, burying them. 
And the minimum barrier is, the minimum barrier is, مَا يَمْنَعُ السِّبَاعَ the th- uh, burying the person deep enough so that the animals cannot get to him. Siba yani um, the animals of prey. Animals of prey cannot get to the body. It's deep enough for the animals of prey not to get to it and it cannot be smelt. The body cannot be smelt. That's the minimal burial. Do you understand? Hmm? And the sunnah is rajul is for a person's height and his length for them to be buried in a person's height, sorry, a person's height, which is around six feet. Six feet is how deep they should be buried. That's the sunnah. طيب. Then he says, وَيُدْفَنُ فِي لَحْدٍ You are buried in lahd. And a lahd, and it's something that Allah I don't know why, but a lot of the brothers, whenever I explain this, they are confused. There's two types of ways that a person can be buried. There's a lahd and there is a shiq. Lahd and shiq. The lahd, the, bur- the burial of a lahd is that a grave, if you go into the grave say, say we're in a grave, say I'm in a grave right now Let's say I'm in a grave right now, inshallah make it easier to understand I'm in a grave right now On the side, what happens is the, the grave is, is dug all the way to where I'm standing On the wall here, on the side of the grave, what happens? We dig inside the side of the grave And we put the body in there And we cover it with wood or rocks So that the body is inside the, the, body is inside the bottom of the wall of the grave You understand? Is that clear? So say this is the grave, you just, the, the wall here just put the body inside there and you cover it with rocks. This is called lahad. And this is the sunnah the Prophet ﷺ was buried in a lahad. And in the hadith, the, in, in Athar from some of the Sahaba, the lahad is for this ummah. The lahad is for this ummah. And this is the sunnah. The second type which is also allowed is a shiq. A shiq which is the, bur- the grave is, we're in the grave. Instead of digging on the side of the grave, we dig in the middle of the grave a part just for the body. We dig in the middle of the grave a part of the ground just for the body. And we put the body in there, and then we cover it after that. This is called a shiq. And both of these are allowed. But the sunnah is the lahad, because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was buried in the lahad. Is that clear? Hmm. Yeah, it's covered with wood or, or rocks. No, you can cover it as well. طيب. That's the minimum, and that's the sunnah. And there's many other sunnah when it comes to burying. For example, you put him, you, you bury them with the head first. And مُسْتَقْبِلَ qibla, They face towards the Qibla on their right side. So the Lahad should be put into the, into the Qibla and the face of the dead person should be facing towards the Qibla. The face of the dead person should be facing towards the Qibla on their right side. Mm. When you say face, they're not faced upwards, they're faced... Yeah, they face towards the Qibla. They're not faced upwards, yeah. Mm. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He prohibited us from walking over graves Because it's disrespectful No, no That's basically why Allah Alaihi mm. Janaz is like that Yeah, janaz is like There's no minimum for janaz Janaz is like that Yeah, janaz is like that Sorry? Allah alim. If the if the if the sunnah of so if you bury the body in the way that with the sunnah, then do they get the reward? If they taught the people to do that, or if they told them to do that, then they're rewarded. And if not, Allah alim. I don't know if they're rewarded. Allah alim. Taib. Then he says, "Yustaqbil al-qibla," facing towards the qibla on his right side. Hmm? وَيُسَطَّحُ الْقَبْرُ بَعْدَ أَنْ يُعَمَّقُ The grave should be flattened. The grave should be flattened. The scholars, they differ on how the grave should be. Should they be completely flat, meaning equal to the ground? Or should it have a slight hump so people know that it's a grave? First of all, they agreed that it's not allowed for the grave to be built upon. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told Ali ibn Abi Talib And Ali ibn Abi Talib told one of the tabi'een Ala ab'athuka ala ma ba'athani alayhi rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Should I tell you what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent me to do? And he says Alla tada'a qabran mushrifan illa sawaita That you don't leave any grave which is built up Except that you make it sawaitahu yani You level it to the ground So because of that some of the scholars they say That the grave should be leveled to the ground completely The grave should be leveled to the ground Completely, and this is the opinion of a lot of the scholars of the hadith 
and some of my mashayikh, they took this opinion, like Sheikh Muhammad Al-Adim Ethiopi, Allah Ta'ala, and other scholars, they've taken this opinion. The other opinion is that, yusannam, is that the grave should have a slight hump so that people know that there is a grave, with the, with the condition that it's not too high. And this is what happened, this is what they say, this is what, what the, some of the scholars, the Hanabila, they say, the, the, the grave of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was like that. Wallahu alam. Uh, the others they say that no, the reason why it was like that is because the gathering of dust. It was there for a long time and it gathered dust and so it became a little slightly musannam uh, like that. Wallahu ta'ala alam, the opinion of some of my is that it should be flattened to the ground and a, a rock can be placed there so that it, people know there's a grave without any writing, without any um, head, uh, what's that called? The, sto- the, the gravestone or any writing or anything like that. None of, none of, none of that is allowed. Because then Nasa'i rahimahullah ta'ala narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa prohibited us from writing on the graves. So writing on the graves is not allowed. Rather the only thing that is allowed is for something to be put in there just as an alama, as a sign that there is a grave here. All of this is, it is said then li dhari'ati shirk. All of it to close the door to shirk. Because people when they see that the graves are being, verified, are being uh, uh, venerated, then it leads to worshipping these graves. And the Prophet wasallam he put many doors that we took in, we've taken in Kitab al-Tawheed, many doors and barriers from, the, from shirk, from people uh, worshipping other than Allah, from people going to the graves. The Prophet wasallam la'an Allahu zawaratil qubur. He said, may Allah curse those women who visit the graves. And some scholars, they say, meaning constantly visit the grave. And may Allah curse those people who make the graves as masajid and those people who light up the graves. Putting put in lampposts or lighting up the graves is not allowed also. Okay? So all of these things, the Prophet from it, he said, May the curse of Allah be upon the Jews and the Christians because they took the graves of their prophets as masajid, places of prayer. All of these hadith of the Prophet sallallahu to prohibit, pro- prevent the graves being worshipped because this is how shirk started in this ummah. So he said, وَلَا يُسَطَّحُ بَعْدَ وَلَا وَلَا And you don't do tajsiyas. And tajsiyas is to use um, plaster, to plaster the grave. You know plaster on the wall, when, you, when you're painting the wall, you put plaster and then you paint over the wall. So using plaster and putting plaster over the grave is not allowed. And that is because it comes under building the grave. And you're not allowed to build upon the grave because the hadith that I mentioned to you from Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent him and he said, Don't leave any grave which is up and over the ground except that you completely close it or completely uh, uh, break it down and you... Uh, make it flat so those are the adab of janais and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us a husn al-khatima a good ending in the, uh, when, we, when we die upon la ilaha illallah and to save us from the fitna of the grave and to allow us to enter into jannah min ghayri hisabin wala adab is there anything left? Hmm? Mm. The last masala that they speak about here is, which I, I forgot they mentioned in this book, subhanAllah. They mentioned the ta'ziyah, the adab of, 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 of sorry, the question, what's the question? No, names are not allowed to be on the grave. Are women allowed to visit the grave or not? Are women allowed to visit the grave or not? Wallahu a'lam, what seems to be strong is that vi- women are not allowed to visit the graves. They're not allowed to visit the graves at all. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, difference of opinion, made a lot of difference of opinion among scholars. Some of them allow it, some of them say it's disliked, and some of them say it's haram. And that's what uh, Wallahu a'lam seems to be stronger. Women are not allowed to visit the grave. Because of the hadith, la'an, any time. The Prophet, hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la'an Allahu zuwarat al-qubur. The women who visit the graves. Some of the scholars, they say it means constantly visit the graves. Wallahu a'lam. It means that women are not allowed to visit the graves. Wallahu alam. The reason, because, the reason for that is because of their uh, weakness in emotions. Weakness for emotions. That they're not allowed to visit the graves. And there is a difference of opinion. So if someone does visit the grave, then we're not going to say that they've committed a sin necessarily if they take the other opinion. Wallahu alam. What was the first question again? Oh, the name now. Hmm. Mm. 
الله اعلم اي دونت نو اي دونت نو از بين ريت صح نعم معروف لكن اظن هذا حديث اكزاكتلي صح ما بعرف So is it allowed to put flowers or anything on the grave? Uh, the opinion of the majority of the scholars is that this is not something that's sunnah. It's not sunnah. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah says it's sunnah. For someone to put leaves or something like that, something uh, a live plant on top of the grave. And the evidence that he brings is the hadith of Ibn Abbas and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam put the leaves on top of the graves. And he says, that these people, maybe these two people who are being punished in the grave, maybe as long as these leaves are are alive, then the, the maybe the punishment will be lessened. And the Shafi'iya they say because of that is sunnah to put a plant on the grave for that reason. But Allah this is specific for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's not for everyone to do to put a plant on the grave. Because the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam done that in one occasion, that specific situation, and it's not narrated that he done it again. For Allah it's not sunnah to do so. Yeah, on the right side faces towards the Qibla. Face towards the Qibla. <coughs> then he says, Wala ba Naam. Yes, question? Yeah, the whole body should be facing the Qibla. Then he says, Wala ba sabil bukai ala al mayyiti min ghayri nawhin wala darbi khaddin. He said that you're not allowed to, there is no problem in crying. There is no problem in crying. And what we mean by crying is shedding tears. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when his son Qasim, when his son al Qasim, or uh, Naam was dying, or Ibrahim, sorry, his son Ibrahim was dying, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he cried. And the companions, they said, even you, Ya Rasulullah, even you are crying. He said, it is a rahmah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put into my heart. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also cried when his son died. So therefore crying isn't a sign of being angry at the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, it's a sign of sadness. But... The reason why al-darb al-khad, the only, grieving over the dead, grieving over the dead, the re, the only thing that's prohibited in it is showing uh, displeasure with the qadr of Allah, showing displeasure with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa taala. That's what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in the hadith narrated by al-Bukhari and Muslim. ليس منا من ضرب الخدود وشق الجيوب ودع بدعوة الجاهلية. He's not from us, the one who hits their, cheek, their cheeks. So, what is allowed is crying. Yani, quiet, uh, yani, um, uh, tears, having tears, shedding tears, and crying. What is not allowed is, when narrated from the Prophet wasallam, wailing, number one, wailing. That's because the Prophet wasallam said, النائحة إذا لم تتب if the na'iha, the woman who wails, wailing is to raise the voice in crying, to loudly cry. As for crying quietly, then it's allowed. Crying loudly and shouting and screaming because the person died, as the people they do. And na'iha to idha lam tatub, if a woman, she, she, she does niyaha, niyaha is to scream or wail. If she doesn't repent, then on the day of judgment, she will be clothed with libasa min qatiranin, wa dir'um min jarab. She will be clothed with clothing of, of the fuel of fire. And she will have the shield of fire as well. So she'll be burnt in the fire. And that's because it is a sign of a displeasure of the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu also told us in hadith thalathun min amr al-jahiriyyati fi ummati, there are three things from the things of jahiliyyah amongst my ummah that they will never leave. And from amongst them being al-niyaha, al-ta'nu fil ansab wal-fakhru bil-ahsab wal-niyaha ala al-mayyit. It is for someone to insult other um, other lineages, other people's tribes, other people's lineages, and also be showing off because of your tribe and your lineage. And number three is a niyaha to wail over the dead, to shout because someone died and scream. And this is a sign that you're not happy that Allah made him die. Yani Allah, Allah decreed that that person died. And so you're saying, oh Allah, as if you're saying, oh Allah, why did you do that to me? Oh Allah, why did you make that person die? As if the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah didn't do it for wisdom. Allah done it with the wisdom. So a niyaha is a haram and it's a major sin. Why did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say an naiha, the woman who does the niyaha, is the man? Is the man commander? Does the man commander? The man, if he screams, is he, is, he, is he punished? Yes. Why the woman then was mentioned on the, in the hadith? Because they're more likely. They do it more. صح? Sorry about that. Huh? They they do it more. طيب. Um, then he says min ghairi What was the question? That was question now. Hmm. 
Ahsant. So someone who tells them, cry over me over the dead. Does that, do they come under that? No. They do come under it. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa something, you remind me of Jazakallah khairan. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِنَّ الْمَيِّتَ لَيُعَذَّبُ بِبُكَاءِ أَهْلِهِ عَلَيْهِ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us that the person in the grave is punished because of your family crying. بِبُكَاءِ أَهْلِهِ عَلَيْهِ Your family crying, and what we mean by crying is, النِّيَاحَ wailing. The person in the grave is punished because of it. When Aisha radiallahu anha heard this hadith, she said, no, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never has such a thing. Because how can someone else be punished for someone else's actions? Allah says in the Quran, وَلَا تَزِرُ وَازِرَةٌ وَزِرَةٌ أُخْرَى No one else is going to hold the sins of anyone else, right? And so the scholars, and this hadith is authentic. The Prophet ﷺ did say it. So how do you understand this hadith in light of the fact that no one can be punished because of the uh, actions of someone else? The scholars, they differ on this, or they bring different explanations. One of the explanations is that they said that he is punished in the grave if he didn't teach his family to do, if he didn't teach his family not to do that. Yani it was obligatory upon you to teach your family And you didn't teach your family And then they done jahiliya, things of jahiliya because of you Then you're going to be punished in your grave because of that Number two Is if you ask some of the people to cry for you And it's something that the people of jahiliya used to do And I think it's pro- even today They pay someone to cry at the funeral It's possible yani seen it. People pay people to cry at the funeral And so this, the scholars, and this is something that was present in jahiliya That's why the Prophet ﷺ was referring to it in Jahiliyyah, the Arabs, what they used to do is that they, before they, they would, even lines of poetry, the lines of poetry in their poem, they said, when I cry, make sure that you, when I die, make sure that you guys all cry and يعني, make a lot of noise, all of that stuff, talking to his family, to show that he's a big person, يعني, he's an important person. And subhanAllah, I was one time in a, in, a, in, a, in a village in Egypt, and I tell the story before, huh? and I didn't, and it, I, it made me, it helped me understand this hadith, Allah, it helped me understand this hadith a lot. Because I never understood, okay, why would like, if someone cries over you, why does it make you look like an important person? And so, I was, uh, when, when we finished the janazah, when the janazah happened, they walk, the janazah going out the masjid and the women are on the, the balconies of the houses of the village and they're all screaming and shouting, ah. And in my head, the first thing that I thought wasn't, it was, the first thing that I thought was, subhanAllah, this is jahiliya. Like, this is really bad. But then the second thing that I thought was, this guy must have been an important person. <laughs> And then, and then I came back to my sense, I was like, hold on, subhanAllah. This is why the Prophet ﷺ prohibited it. Because the, the man would actually ask, not this person, I'm talking, not about this person, but the jahiliyyah. They would ask some people to cry for them just so everyone around thinks that this person is important. And someone big. And it's true, it works. Yani. Like it shouldn't be happening, it's, it's not allowed. So that's the explanation of that hadith. Wallahu ta'ala alam. This is, um, could you please repeat how to pray the janazah? The, you pray by... Saying takbir, uh, you say Allahu Akbar four times. After the first one, you say Surah Al-Fatiha. After the second one, you say Salah and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. After the third one, you make dua for the dead. And after the fourth one, you say Salam or you make dua for yourself and then Salam. You said that a person who, who brags about tribe, could you repeat these people again? A person, a person who brags about their tribe, they are, this is from the Jahiliya. It comes from Jahiliya. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that three things in my ummah are from Jahiliya, that this ummah will never leave. From amongst the being bragging about tribes. So if a person's family says uh, says no to someone because of they are so certain tribes, haram, right? No, that's, that's, that's not, there's no color, uh, يعني, there's no coloration bet- or correlation between those two. The person who is, is uh, showing off of the, over their lineage is not necessarily going to be the same person who rejects someone because of their tribe. There's two different things. Um, what if you are naturally a wailer when you cry. Oh, in the grave now. A person is naturally, I don't know anyone who's naturally a wailer, wallahu alam. Naturally a wailer when they cry, Allahu alam, I don't know about that. Like a person shouldn't wail at all. How often can a woman visit the grave? The, the wallahu alam, they should not visit the grave. They should not visit the grave, wallahu alam. Mm. Yeah, family members who are not Muslim, they have to go to the burials, it's allowed. It's allowed. Generally, it's allowed as long as, as long as you don't partake in the munkar and the evil that's there. Uh, it's back home in India, uh, so if someone dies uh, after, after their death, uh, they wait they for 40 days and they have some consecutive uh, food, uh, food gatherings and mm. stuff like that. And the woman of the, 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 woman of the man, uh, 
she doesn't meet any uh, she doesn't meet any person uh, and she, she has to go away. Is this is this one from the eyes? So yani wailing for four days not allowed. Not wailing, it's just that uh, he died. So forty days you have to not have any uh, any kinds of entertainment. Uh, oh, ihdad. Nam. If a, if a man, if a woman, sorry, if attending the, the burial of a non-Muslim, I need to look and double check that again. There's ta'ziyah. Ta'ziyah is different. But attending attending the, 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 the funeral of a non-Muslim, we need to double check that. Allah The ihdad, 40 days. No, it's not 40 days. When a person dies, if a, if a woman's husband dies, then in Islam we have something called al-ihdad. And that is for four months and ten days. Four months and ten days, the woman is not allowed to wear perfume. She's not allowed to put on uh, nice clothes. And she's not allowed to put on any makeup, any beautification, and she has to stay in her house for four months and ten days. Those are the things. As for wearing white or other things, then some things may be permissible because of culture, and some things are not permissible depending on what they are. But those are the things that generally the woman's not allowed. She's not allowed to have perfume, she's not allowed to have nice clothes, she's not allowed to have beautification, she's not allowed to leave her house, and she's not allowed to be married, of course. Every seven days you have food gathering? No, it's not sunnah. Uh, for the, for the death, no. No, it's not. It's not all of that's not sunnah. It's not sunnah. No. Mm. Yeah, talbina, given talbina, which is a type of food to the people who are uh, grieving, then it's sunnah. طيب, let's finish the let's finish the book quickly, and then we we'll take questions. And then he says, well, that's a bit. So number one, wailing. Number two is وَضَرْبُ الْخَدْ For a person to rip their collar. All of this that comes under what? Comes under wailing. It comes under being ungrateful or uh, going against the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three is ضَرْبُ uh, الْخَدْ For someone to hit their cheeks. All of that is not allowed. Anything that shows ungratefulness to the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or being showing مُعَارَضَة you hating the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It is haram and it's not allowed Then he says The sunnah in ta'ziyah Is for three days Ta'ziyah is to send condolences to the dead person The family To the family of the dead And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Taught us some of the sunnah when it comes to a ta'ziyah From amongst the sunnah is to make food for them To make food for the dead, the dead, the dead person's family As opposed to what happens today Where the dead person's family are Made to make food for everyone else. And that's against the sunnah. And the sunnah is for the dead person's family, for them to be brought food. So they don't have to make food, they're grieving. Rather, some of the sahaba, they will say, kunna na, kunna ala We used to consider to be, we used to consider going to the house and gathering and sitting and relaxing and for the whole time uh, at the house of the dead person's family. Minaniyaha is part of wailing, which is haram. So going there just to chill and chat and things like that is not allowed. As for going there, then the sunnah is to do number one, give food. Because the, when Ja'far ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu died in the battle of Mu'ta, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Isna'u li ali Ja'farin al-ta'am. Make for the family of Ja'far food. And Al-Bukhari narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa told us a type of food which is sunnah to give them. And that is talbina. Talbina. And talbina is, uh, is like barley, and milk and honey put together and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said fa innahu mujibbatun lil fuad wa yudhhibu bi ba'd al huzn that this food talbina it number 1 it cures يعني, it's mujibb lil fuad it helps your heart recover it helps the heart recover and it takes away some sadness it takes away sadness so talbina is sunnah to be given to the family of the dead person number 2 is the ta'ziya is that you go to the family and you make dua for the dead you make dua for the dead person. It's part of ta'ziyah. Number three part of ta'ziyah is to tell them and remind them to be patient. To tell them and remind them to be patient. As the Prophet ﷺ, when a woman, her son died, the Prophet ﷺ, a man was sent to him to tell him about this information. He said, Murha fal tasbir wal Tell her to be patient and to hope in reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So reminding them in the road of Allah is a sunnah also. As for many other things which is done during the ta'ziyah, like the family making food, or every seven days the family they gather together, or every this and that something happens, 
uh, every three or and the sunnah is we aza ila thalath ayam and this ta'ziyah only lasts for three days the ta'ziyah only lasts for three days by the way write that down as well ila thalath ayam for three days as for going over yani every seven days every 40 days then after that every year they have a remembering of that person's anniversary that he died then all of this is bid'ah munkar not allowed and it's haram for a person to be doing all of that stuff the ta'ziyah all these things and the reason why is that so we're not reminded of the of the grief of the dead person and there's many other th- and there's many other things that are to do with the ta'zi and the funeral which we take in the larger books of fiqh wallahu ta'ala alam we'll stop this one here and that will be our last class inshallah ta'ala may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and give you all jannah wa as'alullah an yuwaffiqakum lima tuhibbu wa yarda wallahu ta'ala alam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi